When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Free kick for Atleti. Good opportunity to give a shout to a blogger, a US fan club of Atletico Madrid called Into the Calderon. Do some really good content for all followers of the Colchoneros. A decent base in the United States as well, following the action on ESPN+. Give them a follow at Into the Calderon. Welcome back to Colchonero Chat, a Tuesday afternoon edition. I'm Jeremy, and I'm joined by Virial USA's eminent blogger, Alan Dodson, uh, a frequent guest on the show, particularly when Atletico and Virial meet, as they did on Sunday. How are you, Alan? I'm good. How are you, Jeremy? Fantastic. Um, looking forward to a bit of rest and recuperation before the next La Liga season begins in, what, eight weeks? Oh yeah, I know it's 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 crazy. Um, this has been the this has been the longest season ever in more ways than one. <laughs> no kidding, it's been a really topsy turvy roller coaster kind of season, but we made it through together. That's that's what matters. It's we the did, journey we did, and, and and the good news, I guess, is that the silly season is shorter. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, and, and no one likes silly season, especially with our clubs, because there are just so many rumors. Uh, floating around our two clubs mm-hmm. in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start by uh, chatting about Sunday's game, Alan, at La Ceramica. It finished 2-2 between Villarreal and Atletico de Madrid, a season-ending draw for both sides. And when we, when we were talking over the weekend, trying to coordinate this episode, you mentioned that it was a result that was not only fair, but kind of highlighted where both teams are strong and where both teams are weak. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I thought for I thought for us um, under Setien, our play is much more open and it's much more exciting at attacking football, which is which is great. I feel like he's really given some um, some freedom to players like Nico Jackson, certainly, um, but also Jeremy has improved this season, the second half of the season compared to where he was under Emery. Um, and um, I, I loved watching Adrian Capu being a box-to-box midfielder, um, which is something that he was he wasn't given the freedom to do. Um, on the other hand, 
under Emory, we never conceded from corners ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we seldom conceded from free kicks. And um, Atleti's first goal was was a really clever free kick um, thing, which I guess you guys have worked on in practice because you'd seen how we set up and thought there was a, something to exploit. And so to me, that kind of showed the, the good and bad of Virial. We've gotten better at attacking, but we're much more, um, much more open at the back and much more, I would say, just kind of flabby when it comes to defending um, set ball situations. And for you guys, I think the big thing was it showed uh, watching watching Atleti play. You know, I the intensity, the the competitiveness, all that all that was there. Griezmann, I mean, I'm just he had a superlative season, mm-hmm. and he was the guy that everything went through on in the match on Sunday. Um, and you took advantage of, you know, you had good finishing to score score the goals. On the other hand, it wasn't the sort of defensive stolidity that I got used to under Cholo either. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's been, a, been, been the problem this season is that, you know, you don't have that, the, the great center back pairing that just closed everything down. And not that I mind, it was a, <laughs> it was a really fun game to watch. I, I would have been very disappointed if we hadn't come away with something because I think we deserved it. Yeah. Um, but it was it, it was kind of a different um, it was a different much more fun game. Cetien had said going into it that this would be kind of a celebration of the season and the fans would enjoy it, and I think that I mean I think everybody certainly did. And it ended up being a pretty good season for Villarreal, despite some ups and downs. Uh, Unai Emery leaving in the middle of the year to go to Aston Villa, Setien coming in, and life under Setien did not start particularly well. Uh, but in the end, Villarreal finished fifth with 19 wins. They will be playing in the Europa League next season and following the Conference League elimination now. And you, you all won eight out of your final 13 games in La Liga, yep. really ending the yep. season strongly. How about young Jorge Pascual getting the equalizer in the 92nd <laughs> minute? That was pretty amazing. I mean, I mean, he's basically. I guess he played in in the friend. We had a friendly against Galatasaray. Um, I think it was sometime during the World Cup break or something, and he scored then. Um, and that, or maybe it was during the international break. I don't remember. Anyway, he scored. He scored a goal then in in the friendly. But I, yeah, I was just impressed with him. I mean, he's he's hasn't played for the B team at all. He was with our C team. Really. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he uh, had played, and he hadn't, you know, he hadn't played that much there either. But but um, he's he's um, I think next year he'll he'll start with the B team certainly. But yeah, it was great. I mean, he I think the thing watching him when he when he came on, I was kind of watching him think, okay, what is what is Satan thinking, putting this guy in here. <laughs> And the thing that impressed me was that he he fit right into what we were trying to do. I mean, he he was very well coached in terms of our our approach and where players were going to be and and everything. He made a couple of mistakes. I know he turned the ball over one time where he had a good chance to make a pass and his pass wasn't, it was kind of that, well, I'm not sure if I want to hit it quite that hard. Um, And so it was too soft, you know, young, young mistakes, but 
what impressed me was that when he got the ball, he was very calm and composed about scoring that goal. It was just like, okay, yeah, I know where to put this ball and did it. He did. And, and that was, that was um, impressive. I was, I was really, um, really happy, of course, for the draw, but I was really happy for him. And I think it was kind of a, um, it was, it was almost like another season where, um, it was kind of a storybook ending in a way. I think the only thing, if that had been the last kick of the match, that would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really the last kick of consequence in that match. It was the last kick of consequence. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought we did as a season, you can't complain about finishing fifth when you lose your coach in midstream. Yeah. You hire somebody who has a totally different approach to the game. So, you know, it's going to, even with the world cup break to get things ironed out, it's going to take time. And the, um, conference elimination was unfortunate, but it also left us free to focus on the league. And so I think if we had, had had the conference to, to look at, um, yeah, we probably still would have gotten into the Europa League, whether we won it or not, but maybe in maybe in sixth behind Betis or something. So, and, Yeah, overall, as you said, this was a, a pretty good season, despite some of the bumps in the road. Um, and Jorge on the spot in the 92nd minute to get mm-hmm, the equalizer, mm-hmm. taking advantage of Sal Naguez's kind of backheeled clearance, ended up right to him. You also have Antonio Gomez, our 20-year-old goalkeeper, making his La Liga debut in, in, right. in relief of Grimich, <laughs> who had been playing the last stretch of games as Jan Oblak has been dealing with a neck injury. A very weird end to the season for both for both of our clubs. Um, but yeah, the result was the result was fair. Atletico were down to 10 for the final 20 minutes. And I know Diego Simeone just licks his lips when he gets to match up against Kike Setien because from his point of view, he just gets to give Setien the ball. He, he has When Setien was at Betis, we had a game in the Via Marin. This was in 2017. Betis literally had 75% possession, and we won 1-0 on a, on a Saul just rolling roll it over the line finish midway through the first half. It was incredible. He loves going up against Setien for this very reason. And we saw this for a lot of the game on Sunday, Alan, was – Villarreal yeah. getting the ball, higher line, pushing up, Atletico sitting really not even in the medium block. It was a low block. And the, well, well, the yeah. second goal was three touches, and Correa puts it in the back of the net behind Jorgensen. Uh, if Simeone could just play that goal on repeat every time he comes up against the Setien coach team, he's set. Yeah, and, and actually even the first goal, um, mm-hmm. you know, which was kind of a classic um, break from dispossessing someone in midfield, but prior to that, I mean, it, it felt like you guys had hardly touched the ball. We did, we did nothing <laughs> in the first half hour. Nothing yeah, at you're all. Just, you're just sitting back and letting Viriel pass the ball around. Um, the um, There were, um, I, I think, uh, overall, you know, yes, we had a, as I recall, Kapu hit a post in the first half. Yeah, snapped there was it off the, the, the crossbar. Um, there was the, his slaloming run into the box that ended with him getting a yellow card for simulation that I swear I saw the same play Almeria against Espanol and Almeria got a penalty. Of course they did. <laughs> it ended up keeping them up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, 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 uh, yeah, the first half was, um, it felt like Atleti scored from pretty much the chance they had. And the second half, yeah, it was, it was just really fun to watch. I think, 
I think Simeone, quite apart from from um, Satian, I just think anymore, whenever Villarreal and Atleti get together, maybe it's because of the history of the teams and players moving back and forth, um, or maybe it's there's still shades of that last um, match in 2012 when you guys scored late and yep. sent us down to yeah, the Segunda. There's still, I mean, I, I was thinking about that when, when Pasquale scored, you know. It's like, oh, wh- where was he in 2012? Well, he was about 10. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, there was eight, maybe. He was 10 years old. So, um, so I, think, I think whenever we get together, there's... It's it's a game that I that I suspect most of the players on both sides kind of circled on their calendar with yeah this is going to be this is going to be a game you know this is going to be going to be a match it's going to be it's going to be intense and generally it's always hard fought I mean we don't have five nil blowouts or anything like that these games are always tough for Atletico uh, the last four meetings we haven't won any of them. Right. Our last right. our last win was at La Ceramica in February of 2021, and Villarreal outplayed us that day. Yeah, exactly. And we, we won two and, anyway. Yeah, and and of course the, the we still remember the the match where um, uh, Mondi, you know, <laughs> Mondi and uh, Ruli combined to give you guys combined the most to contrive the sour equalizer from the halfway line. <laughs> Yeah, the most surprising equalizer ever. On, I, on I, I was so shocked. I was just laughing for a good five minutes after that went in. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I was laughing and crying at the same time. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, the, and the expression on on one of the Virial coaches' faces kind of was like, oh, my God. How could... Anyway, how did but this yeah, happen? Like, things like that happen and when, when we play each other and just make it a really good series. And then, okay, so I have a trivia question for you. Shoot. Okay, so Cholo Simeone was named head coach when of Atleti? December 23rd, 2011. Right. How many head coaches has Virial had since that time? Oh, I love these questions. I, I especially love them for like Valencia and Barcelona and Real Madrid. How many have Virial had? I'm going to go with seven. Yeah, it's more like nine. Nine? But I, th- I think I may have counted. I think nine includes... Um, Includes uh, Calleja twice. There you go. So yeah, I mean, I just I, I, and it's and I don't think that we're particularly more cyclical than than most teams, sure. except that we had the um, that period did cover the second half of the 2011-12 season when we got relegated and, and changed coaches in midstream, and then in. 2013, we changed coaches in midstream in the Segunda. But yeah, I mean, Simeone, I thought a couple of years ago his enthusiasm was kind of waning, but boy, he's, he's, he's still, he's still got it. You know? He does. Earlier this season, it really felt to me like we were approaching the end. And I, I don't consider myself like a staunch Simeone defender, but I like the guy. He's the only Atletico coach I've ever known. Um, right. I'm a big fan, right. and the day he does eventually leave the club will be a very sad one for everyone involved. But it really felt like, especially the first half of this season, given how rough last season was. But it just, I, I, I think that he he enjoys the challenge, and the fact that the fact that um, going into the last match of the season, maybe with a chance to finish second, is not. 
a bad thing. He always finds something that keeps him going. There's always something that Simeone picks out. He'll mention it in a press conference, like very subtly, very gently, and then it's a it, he'll just riff on it. It's a it becomes a theme for the second half of the season. This year yeah. it was responding after the World Cup, uh, which turned into finishing second. You know, cleaning out the dressing room going as far as we can in La Liga and ultimately finishing just a point behind Real Madrid. Um, you, you mentioned the year that we scored and, and got you all sent down. Uh, Pasquale's goal cost Atletico $7 million because Madrid got to be yeah. second and got the <laughs> and I, and extra I, cash. I, there were definitely people that noted that. Uh-huh. I was one <laughs> yeah, of them. It's like, well, we can't send them down, but we can at least put a hole in their in their checkbook. You know? Which you did. So, in, their, in, their, in their pocket. So, yeah, it was, it was um, I think, kind of a... It, 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 kind of a sweet revenge in that sense, yeah. Know? And I and I think as you know, Virial have often finished off the seasons the season pretty well. You know, we remember the year the last year that Calleja was coaching us, and we had actually already had a deal with Emery, but we ripped off something like six or seven wins at the end in a row. And I think under Setien, it took some time to adjust. Um, but it, I think overall, um, more players now are understanding what they need to do. Um, now, we're going to have an interesting summer because we do have some overloads at some positions. But we also expect we're going to have teams coming in for some of our players, too. Yeah. So so it'll be interesting to see what um, what happens with um, who who actually is on the squad when when the season starts again. And I'm very interested in getting your thoughts on that because Atletico might, it, it won't be quite a dramatic summer for Atletico. At least the club isn't indicating that it's going to be, but there will be movement. And I do want to get your thoughts on where both clubs are going to end up this summer. You mentioned Mondi a couple of minutes ago. Uh, do you think that was a penalty in the first half when he goes to ground and Griezmann clatters a shot off his arm? Um, was it in the first half? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was around 35 uh, minutes, I think. Yeah, no, I don't. But well, I don't. But having said that, I don't think we could, we can talk about Spanish refereeing all day long. Oh, no. I don't think anybody knows what what a handball is anymore. Yeah. Um, I say no, not just because of the shirt that the guy was wearing. I'll try to take that out of the equation. <laughs> but when I learned about the rules, the idea was that if you were sliding like that and and basically it was a ball to arm kind of thing you know and you're you're allowed to put your arm out to brace yourself and whatever he's not even looking at the shot he's he's basically sliding having said that i've seen penalties given in la liga for things that looked exactly like that exactly. and looked a lot weirder than that i mean pau torres had had a penalty called on him a couple of years ago against athletic club where he had turned his back on the on the shot, the shot hit him in the elbow, and the referee called a penalty. And I was like, "Well, why don't never never mind scoring? Just just aim for the guy's elbow all the time." What's I mean, to do? I don't think it was a penalty, no. But um, I think there's just a real lack of clarity anymore in in terms of what what happens, and it almost seems the referee on Sunday in our match was not very interested in referring things to VAR. No. And that was a big contrast to, as I mentioned earlier, the Almeria Espanol match where that penalty, which keeps Almeria up and sends Valladolid down. I mean, I, 
the, the original call by the ref was the same. I, you know, giving the attacker a yellow for, for a simulation for a dive. And then VAR reviews it and calls it a penalty. And to me, it looked exactly the same as what Kapu, uh, can't remember who, who, who the defender was, but in, in the first half of our match, it's like, why is one one way and one the other? Well, seem probably if 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 the uh, if VAR gets involved, <laughs> I just it doesn't seem to be working very well in Spain. Yeah, um, therein lies and, the entire problem. Yeah, and so I mean, we can't you know not to pick on one or two decisions on one in one week, but this has been a recurring theme of the La Liga season is that. Nobody knows what handball is anymore. Nobody knows what, I mean, Spain compared to England has always given softer penalties, you know. Um, But now with VAR, it seems like the, the, the variation in what's given is wider and some of the penalties that, that are, are allowed are just not, it's almost like the referee doesn't feel like his decision is that important anymore for a lot of the referees on the pitch. It's like, as soon as there's a decision, Oh, I'll refer it to VAR and then it's out of their hands. They can't be blamed for it. Exactly. And that, that, that is the entire problem really in a nutshell, Alan, uh, earlier this season, when we played at Raul Sociedad, Umar Sadiq scored it with his shoulder, right? Um, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that equalizer ended up, you know, being the game's last goal and it finished one, one. Um, and, just the, the criteria is so unclear and it changes wildly from week to week, depending really on who the referee is. Like, I don't, it's, I don't think it's a conspiracy against any one team or half a dozen teams. I just think the referees are that bad. And I just think that because there is no communication between La Liga and the Federation because Tebas and Rubiales hate each other, it's not, gonna, yeah. it's not going to get better. Yeah. I think that's a fundamental problem really. Yeah. Is, no one talks is, about it. No one, no one is actually because you don't have because you don't have the, the good communication between the RFEF who are in charge of the referees and and La Liga. It doesn't. Nothing is going to change. Um, that's the part that bothers me. The other thing that that um, this is probably a good place to segue into the referee who retired after fifteen years. Mm. Say what you you know you can love him or hate him, but but Lahoz was he was his own guy out there, and I almost feel like you know we're going to miss. Well, he couldn't referee Villarreal because he was a Valencian community yeah. referee, right? But you know you're going to miss the fact that he he was a larger than life figure in the way that some of the referees in the Premier League are. And I think the pro, I think maybe that's a lot of the difference is that when you look at something like the, like the EPL, the referee considers himself as a big and important part of the game. And I don't feel like with in Spain, that's always the case. I feel like sometimes the referees are overcome by the players. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. But you know what, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I just don't think. From the beginning, an EPL referee takes charge of the match. And I feel like a lot of times the, the referees in Spain don't really take charge until it's too late. They got to play catch Yeah, and, and one, whatever you say about La Hose, he was in charge. Yeah, you know he, he was a and, character. <laughs> yeah, he was a character. 
and you know he he would he would drive you crazy and and as i say i i guess i can have a different perspective on him than some because he never refereed against or or refereed a match where my team was playing but you know he, he had a he had a personality you knew that um at some point the the match was going to was going to involve him but generally it involved him for good reasons that he was that he was trying to um really take charge of the match and make things happen the the funniest lahoe's story though is you know how many yellow cards he gave out in his last match in la liga nil he gave out zero yeah <laughs> naturally i guess he was trying to make up for the world cup <laughs> yeah which he received like just serious like universal criticism for yeah, his referee yeah, in the world yeah. cup and La- yeah. he was always a really good communicator too laholtz players would often say laholtz was a really good Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the thing that I do see sometimes referee the Spanish referees trying to communicate with the players, but it's usually it's usually the players who are instigating the communication. And I think Lahoz was different because he would he would you know engage a player in conversation and say, "Okay, don't do this," or "This is why I made this call." Let's go. Let's let's move on. You know, Um, and I think that that kind of that kind of thing is great. But as we said, it, so he's retired. Um, I can't remember the other, there was another referee who retired also, I believe. I think there were two. And so we'll have two coming up from the Segunda. And, you know, it, I just don't see a lot of improvement. Um, I'm sad to say, but I don't, I think the current system, the way it's, the way it works sort of assumes that the RFEF president and La Liga president get along, and they don't. And they don't. And Tebas also won't pay for goal line technology, which every other major league has, except La Liga, because Tebas won't fork over 3 million euro for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of sums up where La Liga is as a league, you know, still one of the the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, I think we both have to say that one of the things that is a – that is of concern is that La Liga is beginning to slip in the world rankings and is beginning to slip in terms of of attractiveness for, for players. Um, You know, I think, I think Barcelona and Real Madrid can still, can still be places where stars want to go. But if you have a, but if you have somebody considering going to Atleti, Real Sociedad, or Villarreal, and then they have a choice of moving to pretty much any of the top five or six or seven teams in England, where do you think they're going to end up? They're going to go to England. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's something that is, I think we're, we're starting to see that percolate through sort of a, on a year-on-year effect. But, you know... This year we had a we had a Champions League where, um, apart from Real Madrid, um, we didn't you know the Spanish team wasn't in the semifinal. Yep, because Barcelona were knocked out in the group stage and ended up you know losing the Europa League playoff. Atletico were uh, in a very humiliating fashion with me in attendance, knocked out of the group stage of the Champions League, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you know. Uh, Betis had a, a decent run in the Europa League, but what they lasted till the last sixteen when United knocked them out. 
Yep. Yeah, it's only Sevilla, you know. Yeah, and Sevilla <laughs> rescuing everybody. Apparently, again, I don't know how they keep doing it. Just give them the trophy. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's. Um, but but yeah, I do. I, I do worry a bit that that um, that it used to be when you got a when you got a good player developed. I, I mean, Spain has always through the Canteras, as you know, Spanish league teams have always developed good players. And it used to be that you could count on holding on to those players for a while. And now, you know, the, the, the money is, and the, and the um, interest in playing abroad is, is much, is much more than it was, I guess. But yeah, it, it, you look at it and you think, where is the league going to be, where where is La Liga going to be in ten years? It's it's a little scary to think about because the La Liga is falling behind, but they do have a, a, a swanky new logo coming next season. Did you did you see this? Yeah, I'm sad. It looks, it looks like a number four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's like it's another one of those rebrands where you're like, how much did you pay for that? <laughs> how much in consulting well, fees are you doling out, Javier? Yeah, well, yeah, you can't pay for goal line technology, but you can pay we, for that. We okay. sure can't pay for a rebound away from La Liga's classic imagery. Yeah, which was which was really good, and the and the and although we often made fun of it, the, it's not football, it's La Liga. It, <laughs> line was pretty good. I'm sorry to lose that. It was a great marketing campaign, despite the the obvious meme potential. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So yeah, I, it, it's. It is. It is a little. Um, it is a little daunting. I think um, you know the Italian league is is um, is has been has been good. Um, I, I just wonder if Spain is going to end up in. Is La Liga going to become a, a basically like the French league, where we end up supplying players to other other leagues higher up the chain? I don't know. I hope not. Yeah. But. Um, Realistically, in terms of um, in terms of uh, competitiveness, I, I do wonder if that's going to be the way we end up over time. I hope not, but I and as a Virial fan, I mean, you sort of you're you're sort of see it, I guess, from a little different perspective than than Atleti with a with a higher budget and and more ability to attract players, but it's not that much different. Um, and Barcelona has their own issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they'll get kicked out of Europe. I, you know, if they did, I guess Villarreal would benefit. But um, I don't think they will. I think they're. I think they'll find some creative accounting. But but they're. If you look at the Barcelona squad now compared to where it was five or six years ago, you know, there's there's not a comparison. No. Yeah, I mean Real Madrid is um, probably the exception, and that's you know they have a ton of money. They're well managed, and having just been um, in Madrid and seeing all the construction cranes working, I mean Florentino Perez is in the right business. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is his industry. Um, is the how's the Puerta del Sol looking? Because when I was there in October, there was there was nothing there. Sorry, How, how's the the Puerta del Sol looking? Because it was just all constructed. Oh, it, it, there's there still nothing there. It's still um, 
it, it's still got all this scaffolding stuff around it. Yeah, same with the parts of the Alcala, I assume? Yeah, yeah, Wonderful. I think so. That's, that's um, no, I didn't miss much. Yeah, and I was and I was actually near the Bernabeu, and there's, you know, they've got all sorts of stuff working on there too, um, and you know, and I guess it's, and then, I guess they're redoing all some, you know, that upper tier or whatever it is. So yeah, it's kind of um, there's a lot of construction going on. Um, I'm not sure where all the money is coming from, but. Mm. Presumably, the the uh, construction people are getting paid pretty well. Yeah. It, it's just odd because around the ground there, there are all these moribund shopping centers that were um, during the. I mean, the pandemic basically killed them off, and so it, you have this bizarre. On the one hand, you've got new buildings going up. On the other hand, you have old buildings that are sitting two thirds empty. It's a very, yeah, it's a very weird juxtaposition, a very weird dichotomy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. But, you know, Madrid single-handedly might be able to reverse this talent drain from La Liga, uh, given all the salary they're saving with Benzema leaving, with Mariano leaving, with Eden Hazard leaving, Jude Bellingham likely coming in. Madrid are going to likely take it up, knowing them, are likely going to take it upon themselves to kind of, you know, turn off the faucet of all these players leaving La Liga at a younger and younger age and going to, you know, mid-table Premier League sides because the wages are so much better. And the competition, although maybe not um, better, the attractiveness of the Premier League and playing in England right now is much higher than it is playing in Spain or even even Italy. Serie A has been a very good league the past few years. Yeah, yeah. Playing in Germany. Well, you know, you could you could end up again where you have. Um, I mean, the thing about Madrid and is that you've got you never have any shortage of players who who want to join Madrid, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're a, if you're a decent player and you get an offer from Madrid, I've never heard of somebody saying, you know, I don't really think I'd be a good fit there. Well, I take it back. <laughs> Santi Cazorla said that. Yeah, yeah, he did <laughs> many years ago. But that's but that's the exception. It's like most most players are going to are going to say yeah great i'll sign on the dotted line and everything and then maybe they end up getting loaned out to hatafe or something um but they're, you know, they're contracted to real madrid they get to live in madrid they get good money yeah and then they just they just they end up um playing very little for madrid if at all anyway i mean i think it'll be interesting to see what happens because i think madrid are with Benzema leaving, um, yes, they'll save they'll save a bunch of money there um, on salary. You know the others you mentioned. Um, there, we'll see what they what they end up um, doing. The latest story was that they're maybe coming after Simon Chukwueze, yeah. and I I don't know that that would be a terrible thing for Samu. Um, and I would hope that Virial would try to stick to his release clause in the case of Real Madrid. But, but you know, I mean, Samu has, has been a great player for us. I think he's really been revitalized over the last year and a half. Um, but I also feel like he's a player who has probably is looking for a new challenge. He's probably done as much as he can um, at Virial. And I think he's been, an, I mean, he's still young. But he's been a part of our team for like five years. And I think 
probably in his mind, that's why he hasn't renewed a, a contract and will be out of contract in 24 is um, I think he's got to be looking for this is my chance for the, for the next big step up. Now, whether that's Madrid or whether it's a, a club in, in, in England, I don't know, but I, I, I'm pretty much resigned to losing him this summer. What about Nico Jackson, who had a tremendous second half of the season under Setien, scored on Sunday, another goal, finished with 12 for the year? Yeah. Well, I think I think with – and, of course, we had agreed to sell him and thought we had sold him in, the, in January to Bournemouth, and then he failed the physical. Oh, right? that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, so – yeah, and so every time he's every goal he scored, I'm like, okay, let's add five million to that. <laughs> um, but um, I, yeah, I think with him, I think it really depends on what the offers are because I think if the, I think I'm not sure what his release clause is. Um, I think Samu is is between is there 70, 80 million. I think I think, think, his I, think is, I think Samu's is eighty. 80 and Jackson's I'm guessing it, it was 30 I think I could be wrong I think probably if if we get a good offer for him I don't to me he's a player who's kind of you who has sort of blown up in the last six months well last three months really and so that's the kind of that's the kind of player that you cash in on you you put something in the in the um in the contract that if he becomes, you know, if you sell him on for more money, we get some of it, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I, I think it really depends on what offers come in for him, because I think we already were willing to accept good money for him in December. And I think we probably still would be now. Pau Torres's contract is up next year too, if I'm not mistaken, any rumblings mm-hmm. around him? Yeah, um, a lot of talk that maybe Emery will want him for Aston Villa mm-hmm. because he because obviously they won the Europa League together, and I think Pau uh, was really good um, under under Emery. I don't I don't get the sense under Setien because we're more open. I don't get that. I don't know that he is as comfortable as I think under Emery. He was really a key cog in our in our defending um set pieces and things like that and i i could see him again he's a bit like samu where he's young but how many more times are you going to get to move abroad after you you've already done you've already won the first major trophy i know we won the the Intertoto Cup or something, you know, years ago. But the first major trophy in the in the club's history. Um, playing Europa League, he's done that before. On the other hand, he's a local boy. Yeah. So does he really want to move? I think it really depends. I kind of think if him, if if Aston Villa come in with a with a offer that's good, we would we would leave it to Powell to decide. And probably he would say yes to join Emory again. But I think if it's some other team coming in, I'm not so sure he would say yes. That seems fair. And, and Powell is Uviriel born and bred. And that's always yes. kind of traumatic when a player like that grows up with the club, wins the Europa League with the club, and then eventually leaves the club. That's always 
really sad. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah I mean, see. when's the Europa League with the club, and then the and then the uh, open bus, open top bus parade goes right by where he grew, where he grew up. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's like you can't you imagine. So. Yeah, I just think if the the thing is though, it's like unless he's going to sign a new contract for another three or four years out. Um, we we certainly don't want to take a chance of losing him for nothing, and so I think it really I think in his case the club is going to leave it to him with with whatever they're probably going to set a minimum for I forget what his release clause is but say you know something in the in the forty to fifty million range I think right. maybe fifty yeah. so probably given the fact that on our books he has zero expense. <laughs> zero value because he because he came up through our cantera i suspect we would probably give him the option if we got a, if we got an offer that we deemed sufficient which would probably be 40 50 million if but it's it's totally up to him but if we but if he says no then we're going to say all right you you need to sign a new contract exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah. and other than that i mean i think Jeremy, we have we have um, uh, there are continued rumors about, and he's in the Spanish national team now, so that that might increase his visibility. Um, uh, though I don't think Alex Baena is. I think he's impressed this season. He's been very good. I don't think he's yet on the radar of teams to to move. I don't think he's quite uh, ready. I'd agree with that. Yeah, and then we and then we've just got players that are kind of um, we've got a bunch of midfielders, and we're going to have to figure out how to move some of them. Um, Coquelin, who's great when he can play, but he seldom can, um, would be one one candidate. I think. I think. I think we'll just see what what offers come in. Um, Bulai Dia, who we loaned to Salernitana in Italy with a buy option the deal there is they're going to exercise the buy option and then they're going to sell him on right away and i I guess we have a sell-on clause as part of the buy option so we'll end up getting you know a minor profit on the deal so but that'll be 15 million 16 million or something like that coming in potentially quite a bit of money coming back to la ceramica this summer if two or three other players go yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. We'll have a lot of. We'll have. We'll have a bunch of players go. If if we if we do, we'll have a bunch of money coming in. Um, but I'm. I'll be curious to see where we. Well, we need a we need a goalkeeper. Um, for, yeah. First string goalkeeper, no question. Depending on whether Powell leaves, I would say we need one or two center backs. Um, I was thinking we might get Nacho, but I guess he's re-upped at Madrid. They're going to name him captain. Yeah, so because if you think about it, where where we tend to like to go for for defenders is like Marchena, like um, like um, Albiol. You know, we, we like to go for for guys who have La Liga experience, who are in their thirties and and are kind of the wily old veterans. They're cheap. Above all, they're cheap. And they're and they're cheap and they're and they tend to be good. Um, Albiol, of course, has you know been outstanding. Very Although I think this next year will be his last year because he's he's um, breaking down physically mm-hmm. too much. But you know he he's somebody who could move right into coaching. 
from the Atletico point of view, there's also going to be some movement this summer, but a lot of it depends on what is going to happen with Joao Felix, who's coming back from Chelsea. Yeah, It's already been confirmed. Uh, he doesn't want to stay. Diego Simeone doesn't really want him back. Although on Spanish radio last week, he said, sure, he's welcome back. I don't have any issue with him. We, we all kind of know he does. And we know that <laughs> yeah. if Joao comes back, we're going to have the same issues we had last season, earlier this season, where the, the, he's just, you know, he's not, he's not a player who plays for the team. And under Cholo Simeone, if you do not sacrifice for the collective, you will not play. And that is what mm-hmm. happened to Joao Felix. That's what happened to Mateus Cunha, on whom we made a tremendous profit, a striker who can't score goals, scored only two of them in the Premier League for Wolves, and we got $40 million back for him. That's a yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty, pretty good. Twenty million. Oh. Yeah, that reminds that reminds me. We have our own um, Felix in uh, Danjuma, who I keep forgetting yes. about. It's yeah, like, you know, it's like he's another one where you know, Satian has said, "Oh, sure." You know, I, I mean, well, yeah, okay. He, he, I'm not necessarily going to make him leave. I mean, he, he, he's welcome back, but we is all he know though? he's going. He's going to go somewhere. Is he welcome back though? I don't think he is. <laughs> well, no, I don't. I mean. I don't think that I think he's I think that um, unfortunately the bridges are burned there. Yeah. But but a lot of it is is the same thing. It's it's like if you're not willing to work for the collective and if and if you're if you're um, basically a very selfish player on the pitch, you're not going to that's not going to go over well. Yeah, exactly. That's, um, that's a, it's a very, I, a very similar situation to what happened to Joao. And both players go to the yeah. Premier League on loan and they struggled. Yeah, well, I mean, Danjuma struggled to get. It's never great when you go to a to a club on loan and the first thing that happens is they fire the manager that they brought. <laughs> That's not good. That's not good. One red but, flag. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be. I guess it almost seems. I mean, Felix, you guys have a lot more money sunk in him than we do in, in yeah. Danjuma, but. But it's like every year the the contract gets amortized. <laughs> you're you're looking at him on the books, and you're thinking, okay, what can we sell this guy for? Um, Danjuma is still somebody who, if if they stump up twenty million, we'd sell him, no question. Oh, sure, yeah. With Joao, it's it's very different. Uh, yeah, okay. Joao Joao's problem is he's he's too expensive. So if he his surliness and and selfishness is too expensive. <laughs> We still owe Benfica over 50 million euro for him because he signed a seven-year contract and the, the transfer fee, the much ballyhooed transfer fee was amortized over the length of the contract. So we still oh, owe okay. close, so, to, close to 60 million for him. Well, maybe Benfica would take him back. That's what I've been thinking, honestly. I mean, stranger things have happened, you know. Yeah, that's honestly yeah. what I've been thinking about is that we, we would be paying Benfica still for his original transfer while they recover the player. Like... There are no downsides, especially for Benfica. Um, yeah, and yeah. It doesn't seem like the top teams in England want him anymore, given his showcase at Chelsea went terribly. Granted, it wasn't all his fault. Chelsea are severely dysfunctional. That's not all on him. But the showcase still didn't go well. He scored four goals, no assists. Um, yeah, they, yeah. They and he's such a talented well. player. You know, you know, you know what he can do, um, or at least what he, what he, what he did to at Benfica. So. You know, I I would think that might be the perfect situation since 
since Benfica basically is owed a bunch of money anyway, is to kind of work out a deal with them. I could see that, see something like that happening. Yeah. It's kind of like when we got Gerard Moreno from Espanol, we had, yeah. we had sold them 50% of his, of his rights, but we kept the other 50%. So that gave us a little bit of an ability to work out a deal. And, and when you're owed Benfica, when you're at, at, over the life of the contract, it's almost the same thing. It's like you still, you still basically owe part of the player until you pay that money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Legally, you don't, but but in your mind, you do. So, yeah, yeah maybe there's something like that would work. And Carrasco is leaving, right? It looks like he is. Uh, Simeone was on Canada Cope last week and said Carrasco has a great opportunity to go to Barcelona. It's a, a wonderful chance for him, uh, which Cholo very rarely says that about players. He usually yeah, shuts down teams yeah. for talk immediately. So... Simeone saying that is significant and Carrasco I assume he's going to leave he has a contract through next year that has not been renewed uh and I I think he's going to go because this is a very decisive summer for him if he stays you've got to renew his contract until his age 33 season same same as with Powell yeah as good as Carrasco is slash can be He's not always that good. The first half of the season, he was dreadful. Um, he mm-hmm. really bounced mm-hmm. back after the World Cup and was, a, especially after Reynildo's season-ending injury, he returned to left wing back and played really well uh, for the final couple of months of the season. Uh, Barcelona have a buy option on him, like a, a, a right of first refusal, basically, that they negotiated as part of the Memphis deal in January. Mm-hmm. And Memphis comes in, he plays one game in the final two months. So, eh. Uh, if Memphis is healthy, he will be a valuable contributor, but we need to get him healthy first. Yeah, uh, with, right. With Carrasco, right. that option of first refusal is around 20 million euro. Uh, Barcelona media has been saying for months that they don't want to pay that, that they want to negotiate it down, maybe include a player. So a, mm-hmm. another Miguel Angel Hill negotiation masterclass is about to take place. He's going to find a way to get some other player from Barcelona as part yeah, of the negotiation right. for Carrasco. But I, I think it's the right move to sell Carrasco because he's about to turn thirty, and he, mm-hmm. he started to, mm-hmm. he started to slow down over the past couple of seasons. He's always been a kind of a polarizing, inconsistent player. It's been difficult to motivate him at times. When he's on, there aren't many left-sided players in Spain who are better than him. But I also right. don't want to renew him till he's thirty-two or thirty-three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing that I think, you know, Villarreal have been much more willing to keep players longer. Um, that that um, we, we have players under contract who are, you know, will be 34, 35 when the contract ends. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's an interesting one. I mean, we, we also have um, Gio Lacelso, who was on loan from Spurs. Yeah. And... You know, they were, um, word was that they were going to try to work some deal where they could get Samu in return for cash and Lacelso or something. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> I, I just don't see that. I just don't see, um, I just don't see that as a viable option. I mean, we don't, Lacelso's value to us is not that great. I don't think he's he's a decent he he was decent for us but he had some injuries that I think affected him and it's like I look at him now it's like okay we have a whatever our buy option is 20 million we're not going to do that if if Spurs were would say oh we'll offer him to you for 10 we'd probably take him but 
Um, Daniel Levy doesn't do that. No. <laughs> so, you know, I think he's probably going to go back to Spurs and will end up getting sold somewhere for more money than we're willing to pay. Injuries have really kind of ruined his career. That year he had at Bettis, he was so good. Oh, he was great, you know, yeah. and, 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 and he had flashes of that with Viriel too. But, um, but injuries have just, have just affected him. And I also don't know that I feel like with, feel like with, um, with the change in coach that probably didn't help him that much because I think his game is more, suited to a tighter style of football than what CTN wants to play. Mm-hmm. Something a lot more pragmatic like Emory espouses. Yeah, I, I feel like that. I feel like I feel like Emory was was really um was really a player was was a coach who really liked the liked the players who could work in really close spaces. Yeah. And and CTN is more about creating bigger spaces <laughs> really expanding the pitch and that doesn't suit that many players all that well yeah it suits it suits players it suits players like samu it suits it, it, jackson yep. um uh Baena, um yeremy it suits young players with speed it doesn't suit um somebody who's really got tight ball control and is, and is not that fast but is kind of quick yep really agile yeah really agile so i don't i don't see him staying um but you know it's i think i think a lot is just going to depend on who who gets the big offer for us that we decide it's an offer we can't turn down i think athletic Um, are are kind of approaching uh, approaching the summer the same way and a lot of it's contingent on what's going to happen with joao we, we expect Carrasco is going to leave. Uh, the club's going to look for reinforcements at left back and right back. Uh, Javi Galan is kind of well-placed at the moment to be the signing at left back. That would be a really good pickup. I'm a big fan it of Galan. Be, yeah. I think he's been one of the best left backs in the division for about three years now. We could have had him when Huesca went down. He was available for about €4 million, Euro and we, did, we just didn't buy him. I don't know why that would have been a smart club would have bought him when Huesca went down, but it looks like he's still available for less than 20 million. He wants to leave Celta. So I, I think that would be, that would be a really nice deal. We've also been linked with, with uh Kenyon Lee from Mallorca, mm. which would be very yeah, yeah. exciting. Yeah. Who's had, who's had a really good, um, he's had a good season there. I understand. Um, yeah, it's, I think for us, well, we've we've got, as I say, we've got some players that we probably need to find exits for. Um, Mojica hasn't worked out. Um, I mean, this is not big money, but it's just like, you know, move the guy on, save some salary, get a couple of million. Um, same for... Um, Feminia at right back. I don't. I don't think that's been a, a couple of those pickups that we that were cheap. You know, so you you do a bunch. Viriel tends to do a bunch of those, and some of them will end up being like an ATN Capu, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or an Albiol, where it's like, okay, we spent minimal money, and we got this star in, in our team, but then you have the ones where it's like, okay, yeah, that wasn't great, but usually. If you don't have that much money into the player, you can move them on for 
for not that much. But you mentioned um, Golan and Celta. I mean, Celta are a team that, that, that I really worry about because yeah. they're going to be the same way. They're going to have they're going to have money from from um, selling Golan probably and, and Vega. Yep. Um, but uh, you know, Iago Aspas is getting to that age where. He's pretty much trying to lead the team from the bench more more often than he used to. I worry about them for next year. I was worried about them this season. They they very, very nearly got relegated this time around. If it wasn't for Barca being on holiday, they probably would have been relegated. Gabri Vega saved them, and he's now going to deliver 30 million euro into their accounts, which is great. But I, I worry about the alignment of vision there between the club president and whoever the coach is going to be next year. Yeah, they're probably yeah, going to change coaches too. again. And Iago Aspas can't keep doing this forever. He did show signs that he was slowing down this year. They, I think, probably have to be an early favorite to go down next year. Yeah, so which I'm sorry because I, I really, I, you know, I really like their respect, their history in Europe mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Very and, unique club. And, and they're and they're out there in the in the middle of <laughs> far western Spain. You know, I, I I always like the teams that are sort of out there um, on their own, and I think and and manage to be successful. But yeah, they're going to have a tough time. I I kind of worry they're going to be this year's Espanol, where where I said, oh, they were too good to go down. Well, no, they weren't. <laughs> no, they weren't. And they, before they realized it, it was already too late. Yeah, yeah, um, but I, I, Kangen Lee from Mallorca would, would be a good signing too. I think. I think it would only happen if Tomalema or Sal Niguez left the club, which is possible. I think one of them, at least one of them, is going to leave this summer. Lema, he's he's a strange player, very talented. Simeone often speaks glowingly of him as the link between midfield and attack, but the last three seasons he has been injured at the end of the year every year. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he's, yeah. His physical level is very low. I don't think he completed 90 minutes in any game this year. The physical level is low. Uh, he's not a very consistent player despite his talent. I don't – Atletico simultaneously need a player like him, but they will not miss him if he is sold. And I think yeah, the, the club yeah. would like to sell him. That was 70 million euro for 70% of his rights to Monaco. Great deal for Monaco, not not so much for Atleti. Sowell is yeah. someone that we've been trying to move on for three years now. Haven't been able to do it. Really hoped Chelsea would buy him last summer. They didn't. He comes Happen, back. Yeah. He has a really weird season. Simeone doesn't quite know what to do with him. He gets a run of starts at the end of the year, perhaps to put him in the shop window. His wages are going to be a big problem for anyone, at least in Spain, who wants to sign him. Uh, Rio yeah. were interested in him in the winter window, but his wages were just too high. Sevilla and Valencia checked in on him, but again, the wages. And he's got three more years on that contract. It was a nine-year contract we signed him to. At the time, it seemed like a great idea, but now it's very much how not. Much is he, how much is he getting a year? I want to say it's six to eight million a year. He's one of our highest earners. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, at the I, time, he was on his way to becoming one of the top midfielders in Europe, and he just oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah. But, I, but I but you're right. That makes it really difficult. I mean, a club like I mean, Valencia used to pay used to put players on silly wages, but they they can't really do it anymore. And and Sevilla are um, tightening the belts too. So. It's it's tough. I mean, I think that's the one advantage of uh, when you have players that you're trying to move who are on moderate wages and moderate transfer fee requests. You can generally 
move them. But the higher up the chain you get, the fewer clubs there are <laughs> that you can that, that will be interested in somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, unless yeah. you unless the, unless you basically want to work out some kind of creative deal where they pay fifty percent of his rights and you and you're still paying 50% of his wages or something, you know, you can, there's, you can be pretty creative, but bottom line is you've got a bunch of sunk cost in this guy that you're not going to get back. That is likely the only way Atletico will be able to move Saul on this summer is by loaning him again and a commitment of 50 to 75% of his wages, which is a little relief, but not as much as the club ideally would want. And I think we also have to, bring in another central defender because if I have to watch Axel Witzel play that role again next season, I'm going to rip out all my hair. Yeah. Well, you know, he's, I was going to say, I think it would be appropriate if his last act for, for Atleti was to get the What's red the card. Red and, card? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, center yeah. back is not his normal position. I get that. He's a pivot by trade. We kind of shoehorned him into this role as a central defender, but physically he, he's, he's done. He, he can't run anymore. He can't keep up. And it negates any positives from his passing ability or his you know intelligence as a player. He physically is yeah. unable to keep up at the top level. Right. Well, I was, I was going to say the one Varial player, well, not the one, but one Varial player we haven't talked about at all is Gerard Moreno. Oh, yeah. And I, th- and I think this is another case where you look at a guy who is, who is incredible. I mean, when he's healthy, he is one of the best strikers in La Liga, um, one of the best in Europe. But boy, uh, you know, we were hoping that last year was an aberration, but this year was just more of the same. Uh, um, he just gets these nagging hamstring injuries, nagging nagging injuries that he's, the fact that we finished fifth with our best um, striker on the bench for most of the season is pretty good tribute i think but yeah. and when he when he was able to play he was great but now we're sort of in this in the situation where we have him and he's we're basically going to be sitting here hoping for as many minutes as we can get but but he's not a player that anybody's going to come in for or he's not He's not somebody we can count on in the way that we hoped we could two years ago. That is possibly going to become another Sal in the guest situation. I, I hope Gerard is healthy again someday, but he's only made 28 starts the past two years in La Liga. He's 31 now. He's got a contract yeah. till 2027, which again was a great idea at the time. Great idea at the time, but um, and he's not. Well, I'm not sure what his salary is, but it's not as. He's one of our higher earners, but he's not on. He, he wouldn't be one of your higher earners. Right. But it's. But yeah, you're, it is going to be a contract where, as you as you look at the last couple of years of it, you're like, okay, um, <laughs> you know, because chances are he's going to be able to play in maybe maybe if you're lucky, two thirds of the games. I mean, I'd love to think he could come back and and be the player he was three years ago, but I'm. I don't know how I could realistically expect that. It's a little tough to see, sadly. It's it's great to sign players to long-term contracts, but you do have, you always have the issue of of injuries in in Gerard's case that have really, really taken a toll. And so he's he's not even in the Spain squad for 
um, that just got announced. And in some ways, I'm kind of relieved because I think there'd just be another opportunity for him to get injured. Yeah, just let him get healthy. De La Fuente hasn't been calling up. Let him rest. Yeah, he hasn't been calling up any Atletico players either. Morata is the only one in the Spain squad. Coque isn't there. Guarante is not there. Mario Hermoso isn't there, despite his brilliant second half of the season, which I'm kind of relieved about. Like, yes, I'd like to see our players play for the national team. Um, and Koke in particular was an essential player under Luis Enrique, but you know, great. They get to rest over the summer. It's been a long season. Yeah, it's been yeah, a strange season. Yeah. Let him rest. Yeah. It's like we, we have Jeremy called up. It's like, great. You know, go for it. You're, you're a young guy. You, you, you have the, you have the stamina, you know, I'm just as happy that Pau isn't, isn't, um, isn't in there. I'm really happy Gerard isn't, um, let them, let them rest, especially since it's such a short time until the season gets going again. Yeah, absolutely. They need all the rest and recuperation they can get. And finally, for, for Atletico, I would like to see them add another striker um, because I don't think they're going to get anywhere with, with Morata leading the line. He's just average. He's just kind of there. I, I think Morata had a very fitting end of the season too, Alan, uh, as Pau Torres uh, goes up for the ball in the air. <laughs> Morata clamors for a foul. Morata <laughs> goes down, stays on the ground for about two minutes, and Villarreal put the equalizer in by that time, by the time he gets up. And like, yeah, I, I, there yeah, was I contact. Was gonna, I was going to say, that was kind of classic. I, I, I watched that on replay, and I'm like, oh, come on, Morata. <laughs> you know, it's like, that, <laughs> like Powell is climbing to get the ball, but the contact yeah. there wasn't extensive. It wasn't extreme. No, and, and then it wasn't. And and Murata is just, yeah. To me, he's always been kind of a kind of a donkey of a player, and I guess that was sort of the classic. <laughs> he's great for Spain, but he's gotten this far largely on his reputation as Madrid-born, Madrid Academy future star, huge transfer fees, and he's just never been that player. No, I know it's 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 funny. It's it's like some you look at some of these players, some players that just um, you look at their transfer record and you're like, well, how come this person? How come these transfer fees were like five times what they were for this guy who ended up having a much more successful career? Sometimes you just can't figure it out. You know, it's 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 the herd mentality, I suppose. It, it but, really is. But it, it's like well, and and of course. You know, we had a perfect example ourselves in, in, in Paco Alcacer. You know, mm. it's like another guy who, who has always commanded big fees. And it's like, you're always hoping you can be the one that makes it, that makes him the star of it. Surely he's going to be. No. <laughs> no. Is he still, where is Paco now? Is he still in Saudi Arabia? He's, he's, not, he's in the Middle East in Sharjah, I think it, I think it is. That was a weird thing. It was like we had agreed to loan him there and then it ended up we just tore up his contract and said fine <laughs> was, we're done that was so funny literally 24 hours after you yeah, sent him there's like yeah, yeah we'll just yeah. take him permanently bye bye yeah yeah i know that was weird and um that was a that was a huge um loss on our books um big disappointment because you know, yeah that was a big swing you took on him getting him from dortmund and he would have been really, yeah. really good. Well, there. If you look at it, our, our biggest we've our biggest um, signings in terms of money, which of course are nothing compared to you guys or 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 Madrid or Barca. But you know, I think our record signings are like Paco, and then Danjuma is up there. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know, we just we tend to do real well on the on the signings of about ten million and under, but. 
boy, you get us you get us into modern football where we we signed um, Toko Ekambi, and that seemed like that was going to work for a while, and then it didn't. We signed um, Dia for. 12, 13 million and immediately send him out on loan. You know, it, it doesn't seem like we have a great track record. Unal is another one where we, yeah. we paid, not sure what our fee was, what we actually paid. I want to say 10, 12 million. And that was, again, one of these hopeful deals that we didn't stick around and develop him long enough to get the rewards from it. And we eventually ended up selling him to Atafe. And I guess we do have a sell-on clause there. So if he has a good season next year, maybe we can make some money back. But, you know, you look at the players who have become legends at our club, and they're mostly the players who have been homegrown or, or picked up for, for fairly cheap. Atletico's list of record signings is does not make for easy reading either. Joao Felix, 127 million euros. You can't argue that he was a success. Tomale Mas, 72 million euro. He hasn't really been a success. Uh, Diego Costa for over 60 million euro. That was not a success. Uh, Falcao Falcao was great, but he was only here for two years. Vitolo was a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we should find, we should probably, did you see the thing about Luciano Vieto maybe coming back to Villarreal? I just thought that was the weirdest rumor. I I saw like one solitary tweet about it, but I don't think I gave it, I paid it much mind. Do you think it's going to happen? No, I well, I don't. Um, no, because I, I mean, it was a it was a rumor from um, Mundo Deportivo, who don't tend to really cover Viri all that well. Anyway, I almost thought it was like a joke. It's like, like this. Okay, well, since you guys are busy signing players for free, like um, Brereton Diaz and Dennis Suarez, so let's you know, Vieto is available. It doesn't seem like a good fit to me, but. It also doesn't seem like we would be doing anything until somebody leaves, frankly. What a, but, what a strange career Vieto has had. I was so excited when we signed him from, from the oh, yeah. and it just it just never happened, never panned out for him. No, well he was he had that the the season with us under Marcelino, he you know, he was like his breakout season. Yep. And we you know, Cholo wanted him signed him for 20, 20 million, was it? Yep. Like that. And, but yeah, I think he was always, it was always a bit of a risk with him because if you remember, Liverpool were going to sign him a couple of years before we did because he had a really good season in Argentina and then they kind of backed off and didn't. And then we took a chance when he had another decent year, but he's never been that consistent. And I, I don't know. I mean, I just think now he's 29 or something. I, From what I remember of his game, I, I'm kind of wondering if he's got the same speed or, or um, quickness that he had. He has but, been in the Saudi league for three and a half years now. Yeah, wow. which is earning good money, but I don't know that. I mean, I just keep thinking we didn't sign Cedric Bakambu when he was available on a free from coming back from China. And I think he would have been a much better fit. Now, I understand that he had higher wages than Vieto would probably ask for. But still, I don't I don't really. I mean, Bakambu has been still playing at the international level, ended up going to Marseille, I think, and doing OK. I'm, I'm just not that thrilled about Vieto. So 
I, I don't I don't think it's going to happen, but it was just an odd odd one to cross the rumor mill. Yeah, that's very odd. He's not even thirty yet. That's wild. Yeah, given how long yeah. we've been hearing about him. But all right, uh, I think we should wrap it up there, Alan. Uh, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for hopping on the show. Always great to talk to you. Yeah, great to talk to you too, Jeremy. It's always been good, and we can always fill up an hour in no time at all. <laughs> we really can. This has gone by in a flash. Uh, you can follow Alan's work at Virial USA, our sister site on SB Nation. Um, you can read our work there at IntoTheCalderon.com and uh, follow the, our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chat. If you become a subscriber, you get some, some cool bonus goodies from as little as $3 a month. Uh, until next time, adios.